Welcome back streamers, this is the second episode of Blood Droplets, and I am Jason Gray, your host for this adventure down the tubes of Tubi. Uh, you know, speaking of, I kinda use streamers because the main show is called Bloodstream. Do I want to keep doing that here, or do I want to use a another name entirely? Uh, let's see. Blood Droplets, uh, Droppers, Dropheads, Dropouts. No, no, I'm not going to do that to you guys. Also, while we're on the subject of names, I did have a couple ideas for this show to call it something other than Blood Droplets, because I'm still kind of workshopping this. It's the second episode. Things could change at the drop of a hat. So, some of my other ideas for names that I had for this show. Most of the other kind of punny names I had for the show is based on the fact that a lot of the movies are coming from Tubi, and that felt like something I could really mine for incredibly ridiculous names. Here's some of the rejected options. Totally tubular. Down the tubies. To be fair. And probably my personal favorite, poor life decisions. Eh, okay. <laughs> That's enough goofing around uh, with silly names and everything like that. This week's episode, I wanted to be very specific in watching something that was not found footage. Because while found footage movies are a dime a dozen on Tubi and every other service, they are really easy to find and they are going to be a large part of this show just because they are everywhere. Uh, I didn't want to do two found footage movies right out of the gate just to properly establish that, yes, we are not just doing found footage movies. So I picked a movie called The Risen. I probably should have stuck with a found footage movie. But we'll get into that. The basic plot to this is... Following an astronaut's crash to Earth back in the 60s, we jump ahead 40-some-odd years, and, uh... Long story short is there's an alien running around. There's a CIA agent trying to... Uh, uh, get his hands on some alien technology. An alien is coming after it, and there's a guy trying to hunt the alien. The reason why this sounds like it is really hard to describe is because, quite frankly, it is. One of the things I wanted to do with this show was to not sit down and take a whole lot of notes. I had to take a whole lot of notes with this bloody movie because there is so much and yet so little going on. It is almost mind-numbing trying to, to get to the heart of this story. I don't want to sit down with blood droplets and just run through plot point by plot point like I do with the main show, but sometimes it's going to happen because in order to describe this movie and talk about it, I got to get into this stuff. So I'm just going to try to go through this as quickly as possible and as interestingly as possible, which with the subject matter might be a challenge. I actually had to watch this movie twice just because the first time... I missed a lot, and it seemed like there was even less plot than I thought there was. The good news is, sometimes the second watch is good, and I did get a little bit more out of this movie, and it is slightly less impenetrable. So like I said, back in the 60s, astronaut crashes to Earth, barely survives the crash, and we jump to 2004 when this movie came out. Which, brief note, on Tubi, this movie is listed as 2021. Which, while I was watching it, I was in awe with the idea that this movie came out in 2021 because it looks so horrible. Instead, it comes out in 2004, 
Which I still find unbelievable because it looks so horrible. But I digress. Back to the plot. So following the cut to 2004, we have a guy torturing this guy for the code to a briefcase. He gets the code, kills the guy, and inside the briefcase is a bunch of green rocks. So watch out Superman if you run into this this guy. We then cut to outside uh, CIA headquarters in Langley, and we see the guy come out of an elevator, so we know he is a rogue CIA agent trying to use this briefcase of rocks or technology or whatever it is for his own ends. From there, it cuts to a party where a kid wanders off and just happens to stumble upon an alien spacecraft. We're then at least treated to the alien rampaging through the high school party, which is great, but it could have been better because this movie is sorely in need of a lighting kit. If I didn't know better, I would swear I was watching AVP Requiem with how dark this movie is half the time. Thanks to the massacre, we meet uh, a local cop, Mason Hunter. Great action hero name. Long story short, they kind of try to pull a psycho with this guy with setting him up as the main character, but in about 15-20 minutes, he gets his head ripped off by the alien and things go in a different direction. All of this ends up with us meeting the actual main character of the movie, arguably, Slade Hunter, which is another great uh, action hero name, and he's kind of our big McLarge huge of this movie. He is gruff to the point of self-parody, always speaking in a Batman voice like this, and it's just so over the top, and he has no emotions. Uh, And he's kind of sitting at a bar moping because he was in an earlier war... Basically, the government completely abandoned them to their own devices, the entire squad was wiped out save for Slade, and he's dealing with a lot of PTSD, bitterness, and betrayal issues. All understandable stuff. There's this great moment where one of the soldiers that are are under his command comes up to him, Hey Sarge, I have a question. I'm scared. That's not a question. (sighs) Moving on. So, following his brother Mason getting murdered... Slade answers the heroic call to, uh, uh, I mean, uh, uh, comes back to town for his brother's funeral. The CIA agent and his goons come up to this house and a genuinely funny moment. When they knock on the door, it opens and uh, Alder is like, yes, we'd like to use your house. And just shoots the owner of the house right in the face right then and there. Perfectly timed, great moment. One of the few standout moments in this movie. And characters move around a bit as they're needed, but we do eventually come back around to Slade, who uh, runs into the alien in the forest and and somehow knows it killed his brother. The upside to this scene is it is filmed in daylight. However, the downside is the alien is constantly filmed in either close-ups right in the face or in uh, blurry, fast, super quick cuts, and you never really get a feel for just what the alien is. Now, there is the idea that not showing too much of your creature and letting the audience fill in the blanks, but with this, it feels more like they're just ashamed of the design and they don't think it looks very good, so they're not going to show it to you. It's a fine line, and this movie lands on the wrong side of it. However, they do have a brief moment where the alien phones home, uh, and to pull this off, they use an action figure. 
talking to a TV screen. And credit where it's due, that is genuinely creative, and I kinda dig it. But during this call, the alien says that it has successfully laid the trap, and the home office says, good, destroy them all. With so little in this movie that has been explained up to this point, and this being the only time the alien actually speaks through subtitles, it's just so hard to get your hooks into this movie because it blows past plot details, and so much is just the characters being moved around because the plot demands it. Like, there are so many coincidences in the plot of this movie. Slade is called home because his brother is murdered by the alien. Mason's girlfriend just so happens to be the daughter of the astronaut who encountered the alien 60 years ago, and the alien just so happens to come back now because... I guess the idea is that it comes back because it somehow knows Alder is messing around with its green rock technology. But again, nothing is really explained in this movie, and it all just happens. And uh, continuing in the thing just happened category, there's suddenly a random scene of two thugs trying to rob a woman. We see them being injected with stuff, and I guess we're supposed to assume because of a scene later in the movie where Alder has a chemist synthesizing a liquid from the rocks or whatever. So this drug is being spread out before it's created to make people drug-crazed criminals? I don't know. So, so frustrating. To move the plot along, Carrie gets captured by Alder. Uh, just as Slade shows up at where he's hiding out to start killing people, but he's supposed to be searching for the alien, so I don't know why he's suddenly showing up with Alder. <sighs> but somehow Alder and his goons manage to capture Slade, however briefly, because we gotta move on to the next plot point. And to get whatever he wants in this instance, he's talking about how he's going to use sodium hematol or sodium pentothal and sodium fuck it all. But instead of actually doing anything, he decides to head to the landing site to confront the alien because I don't know. Because I don't know is the subheading for this entire movie. Carrie manages to get her hands on the briefcase of space rocks. Alder is chasing her. The alien is chasing Alder and her. Slade is hunting the alien. And this all ends up being a really half-hearted chase because everyone just ends up at an abandoned barn. Because I guess everyone wants the MacGuffin briefcase. Alder is ready to shoot Carrie, but of course Slade shows up and shoots him first. And before Slade can finish off Alder, the action fig, I mean the alien, crashes into the barn and kills Alder for us. So really that is just one gigantic plotline that really goes nowhere. So we come down to the big confrontation between Slade and the alien that killed his brother, and it actually just ends up being Slade huffing a chunk of C4 at the alien, running off, and alien go boom. The movie easily could have ended at this point, and it should have. Instead, we have the few survivors standing outside the burning barn going, huh, yeah, that sure is a thing that just happened. And... Even then, instead of ending, the movie cuts to a week later, and no one's life in this movie is interesting enough to check in to see what they are doing a week later. 
But fortunately, that's not what they're doing. Instead, it's the cliche move of a autopsy on the alien creature. And gasp surprise, it's not really dead. The movie is over. This movie isn't really bad. It is just so thoroughly unremarkable. I mentioned most of my problems already, but just to recap so we can wrap this up. The biggest problem is there is so much going on and so little explanation and so little and so little meat to really sink your teeth into that it just kind of moves from plot point to plot point until the movie decides to end. There are a bunch of random scenes that the movie doesn't really need and this really should have been a really simple story of man whose brother is killed, goes looking for revenge, finds alien creature, and they fight. The whole rogue CIA agent plotline is just so much filler, and to be fair, <laughs> it could have actually contributed more to the plot, but it just so poorly executed and poorly explained. I mean, it's not the worst thing out there. It's not the worst movie I've seen. It's a whole hell of a lot better than uh, Real Cases of Shadow People, which I know is a low bar, but I guess we now have new champion Wu. I can't really recommend this movie either, but it's not entirely devoid of some interesting stuff. And, well, at least on the upside, there are a few creative bits to this movie that do at least bring it up above some of the other things I've seen. And if you want to see a movie that I can describe as a noble failure, where they at least tried a few things and didn't exactly stick the landing, you might actually have some fun with this movie. Give The Risen a look. It's not completely terrible. You might get more out of it than me. But I am really struggling to give it a recommendation. Fortunately, next week we will be actually talking about a movie I saw about a week ago that I actually really liked and am looking forward to sharing that with y'all. So that wraps up our second episode of Blood Droplets. Uh, if you've got any questions, comments, or recommendations, you can always send me an email at foenix at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and Tumblr and a couple other places. Uh, if you want to subscribe to the show, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Music, whatever it's called these days. All the links I got are in the show notes. If you want us on a particular platform, you can send me a message at the other stuff I've already mentioned. And before I forget, again, because I know I left it off in the first episode, uh, the opening music is a clip from Don't Pay the Ferryman by Chris DeBerg. And our outro music is Baba Yaga by Kevin McLeod. Thanks for listening, and I leave you with this little life lesson. For the love of God, use a lighting kit in your movie. That's a conclusion.